And on front page with me this morning is Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent from the Malay Mail. Good morning, Yiswari. Good morning, Jasmine. Okay, the first headline we'll take a look at um, is the DPM saying that it is unwise to impose travel ban on PTPTN defaulters. She said the government has yet to make any decision on the matter and the proposed restriction should be reviewed. I guess we've had a lot of issues with these defaulters. Iswari, some feel that yeah. we should set a criterion for repayment and impose just bans and recoup the loan given, while others feel we shouldn't be so hard on borrowers. What do you think is a right thing to do? I would definitely agree with the travel ban because it was proven to be effective in the in the last regime, you know, when they imposed such a thing. For me, it's simple. If you have loans and most importantly, you have education loans, you should look at paying them first and put your holiday plans on hold. You can still go to Chuti Malaysia, you know, mm-hmm. what is lacking in our country, isn't it? So there are other ways to travel and have fun in Malaysia, but First things first, you need to settle your education loan because, you know, PTPDN is, is, is basically a ruling money. When they have funds, they can support and extend the loan to more people. And then yeah. if they don't, a lot of people who, who deserve to get the PTPTN loans would be rejected simply because someone feels they should not pay. Mm-hmm. Someone feels they're entitled for free things, you know, or they just don't start paying or don't feel they should, you know, all this kind of thing. So it's going to be, it's going to be very messy. And the whole point of PTPTN is going to be flawed. Right. So do we want that? Yeah. I, I think we should be fair. We should look at people who have, you know, started working, they're able to pay, and then, you know, we, we make them pay. But then again, there are a lot of lenient mechanisms with PTPTN. You can go and meet the PTPTN officers and discuss and come to come to an agreement on how much you are able to pay per month and whatnot. So there are leniencies and there are mechanisms like that. So people can actually consider and do what is right. Right. Besides not being able to fund future borrowers, how will non-repayment affect future students? And how can the government recoup these so-called losses? Like I mentioned earlier, when we don't start uh, or when we are not serious in getting back the money, then a lot of other students are going to be affected. People who, who deserve to get the loans to get a good education. You know, um, as it is, getting scholarships, getting government scholarships is a real bother. It's not uh, a time where the government can afford to give scholarships to everyone. Mm-hmm. So PTPTN is a lifeline. Right. So we should be responsible and ensure that that lifeline goes on for many other people. We should not be selfish, really. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at uh, the latest news regarding Huawei. Google is suspending business with Huawei. We'll look at that headline next on Light. On front page with me this morning is Iswari Palansami, senior correspondent at the Malay Mail. Now, Google parent Alphabet has suspended business with Huawei after the Trump administration's blacklist of the Chinese technology giant. A source close to the matter told Reuters it means that Huawei will lose access to smartphone operating system updates and that this is a major blow to the Chinese tech company that the U.S. government has sought to blacklist around the world. But I do understand several measures uh, have already been 
put in place. Huawei is already planning their own operating system, as well as the fact that current users of Huawei phones will still be receiving updates. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on this, uh, Yuswari? You know, China has the largest population in the world. Yeah. With Google suspension on Huawei, how will that affect Huawei? Do you think this will affect them at all and affect Google? Well, um, if you remember, um, Chasmin, there are already quite a number of Google apps which are banned in China already, mm-hmm. you know, like Gmail, YouTube and, and Chrome. So the way I look at it, the Chinese, they're quite fast in looking or in making replacements, you know. A lot of the products we use in our house is always a made-in-China brand. Mm-hmm. So I would not underestimate the Chinese. I would not underestimate, you know, the Chinese tech companies. This U.S. sanction on Huawei, it may affect countries outside of China and not China directly because right. they're always good at finding replacements. But yeah, I'm excited to see what what comes out of this. Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, a lot of my friends who have Huawei phones are like, oh, yeah. how is this going to affect WhatsApp and all the other Google apps that we use? Yeah, that, that's another question that's being asked. I mean, I'm curious, like, what will happen, like, uh, with Windows? Mm. Will Windows continue, you know, supplying the software? What What's going to happen? So there's, there's quite a lot of uncertainty as to the future direction, though Huawei has already said that they've been prepared for this for years. Right. So, you know, they're, they're not really bothered about it. So, but they're, they're, if I'm not mistaken, they're still quite heavily reliant on parts from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And what I am <laughs> waiting to see is, is there going to be a tit-to-tat move? A tit for tat move, like, uh, you know, is China going to ban Apple? So, you know, there's a trade war, as we all know, that's going on. So, I'm predicting that it might be messy, but how big and who are going to be the losers? Mm-hmm. It's yet to be seen. All right, but could depending this... depending on the stakes which right. China has. Okay, could this move change China from a manufacturing industry to a tech industry and work on an Android replacement? Well, I would not be surprised. I would really not be surprised. You know, they've we've already had like few good Chinese handphone makers, Xiaomi, Huawei, and you know Honor. But Honor is actually Huawei uh, product. owned by yeah, it's owned by Huawei. But I don't think a lot of people know they're separate brands. <laughs> So, yeah, I am excited to see what comes out of this, but I would not underestimate them because they have already proved themselves in many areas, in many fields. And with the Belt and Road Initiative, they are really ambitious. So I am really not surprised, you know, if they manage to just find some different allies and create a business um, alliance and move on with it. All right. Yeah. Something definitely to watch. Now coming up, um, uh, students' poor English language proficiency. The NUTP wants to make a study on that. We'll take a look at that headline next here on Light. On front page this morning, Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at the Malay Mail. The Ministry of Education and stakeholders of the education sector need to make a comprehensive study to determine the cause of poor English language proficiency among students rather than blame it on teachers' poor grasp of the language. I guess, uh, Yiswari, this is an age-old question of making English compulsory in local schools. Yeah, tell me about it. Why hasn't Mm -hmm. this been done? Is it, like they say, lack of good English teachers and proper facilities? What are your thoughts here? You see, from my observation, um, Chasmin, no offense, but I do realize that some teachers, even their English needs a lot of improvement. Because in my job, I have been to schools for programs and whatnot. So, you know, being a journalist, I tend to observe the things around me. Mm-hmm. So this is one thing which I usually realize. And I don't think perhaps 
some teachers who teach English even do actually speak the language at home or extensively you know for some perhaps it's just um, you know you come to work and then this is what you do and then you're done with it yeah so we need to change this we need to make speaking english a very vital and daily culture even in in one's personal life you know because it helps it's the language of the world and uh, we need to make sure we're good at it and especially teachers so in terms of facility i am not really sure what is the arrangement that's being or has already been made by the ministry of education though i do know that you know they they always have a lot of you know these courses and courses and what not for teachers so i don't know if that has been going on extensively or because of some budget cuts i have some of the courses been cut or put on hold so we need to look at that one too right do, do you feel there's a need to bring in native english speakers um, teachers i guess from abroad since you know they, they say- i think if you remember last time there was a plan they were planning to bring in teachers from india if i'm not mistaken you know like 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 you said the native english speakers but i don't know how many people actually participated in the program mm-hmm. so i think they should reveal uh, if there's a study conducted on the result of the program and you know if it's effective perhaps we can have like um, a knowledge sharing session you know perhaps like a fellowship for teachers yeah. where they can have you know this this exchange program for teachers especially because perhaps some teachers do, never had the chance to travel and and learn a lot of things which can broaden their horizons and you know it it can help them back in their career in school so we should give that chance to teachers and and you know it has helped in quite a number of other careers especially in journalism where we have a lot of fellowship programs right. i don't see how it won't help teachers All so right. when when the teachers are not able to it it also affects the students because they're not going to be able to grasp the language well so it is actually a problem that's linked to many other elements all right when we come back uncertain over asset declaration bnmps actually say they have no problem declaring their assets we'll be taking a look at that one next here on light on front page with me this morning is Swari Palansami from the Malay Mail. Now, Barisan National MPs say they have no problem formally declaring their assets as called on by the Prime Minister as long as it is required under law. Opposition Chief Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri Yaakob said previously when Barisan was the federal government, its ministers, deputy ministers and lawmakers had formally declared their assets. And then opposition MPs were not required to do so because uh, they had no links with decision makers. But they say, you know what, if the the PM wants it, okay lah, make it a law and we'll gladly abide. So Iswari, how long will it take for such laws to be formed? Well, when it comes to formulating laws, it, it can usually, you know, it depends on how it's formulated and you need to iron out, iron out a lot of things. But with regards to asset declaration laws, since Datu Sri Ismail Sabri says, hey, you know, it's nothing new, we've been doing it. I don't see that it should drag a lot you know they should probably both sides opposition and the government lawmakers sit down come to a consensus and then mm. make the law we we really need it because at a time when we are told to tighten our belts you know to be economical we want to see that our lawmakers are doing the same thing you know you right. can't tell the people to be economical and then you know some of them we see are you know holidaying overseas or children posing pictures traveling in business class or you know those those kind of things so mm-hmm. it raises a lot of questions are they practicing what you preach exactly. because if this is how we are going to impose on the people then more so you should impose that on yourself so as a declaration is very important we really need this law in place mm-hmm. yeah we do indeed what happens once all the mps everyone has declared their assets is it, is it just going to be on the record 
uh, of course it will be on on record but it depends like again like i said mm-hmm. would that record be able like what can the public access it like right now you you can you can see the list of mps i think it's on the mcc website yeah you can see the list of the mps who have declared their assets uh, and what not but i think it needs to be extensive like you need to completely come clean with everything that you own you know whatever that you have uh, you know your shares and what not so that the public can actually see if you know well if you've been good or naughty you know what i mean <laughs> I so know. yeah all right yeah. well coming up the education minister rejects having schools teach about religions we'll take a look at that headline next here on light on front page with me this morning, Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at the Malay Mail. Now, the education minister has rejected a proposal by the Malaysian Youth Council for a special subject about religions to be introduced in schools and university. Minister Mazli Mali said he was being consistent with the ministry's previous suggestions that every school and university should organize more cross-cultural programs. He said it was more appropriate for school children and students to share about culture rather than learning about other religions. So, uh, would cross-cultural programs be well-received in schools and universities, um, you think, Yiswari? I think it's up to the lawmakers end of the day because I think the one making noise are usually, you know, those in the top brass. So, I don't understand how the education minister is saying that, oh, we can learn about uh, culture but not about religion because in quite a number of cases they're both intertwined. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not really sure what is he trying to say but I also do not understand why are we afraid about learning about the religion of other people because it's not a conversion class. Exactly. And propagation of other religion is, uh, apart from Islam, is banned under the federal constitution. So I feel we tend to make a boogeyman out of a no issue sometimes. Mm-hmm. And people who may not understand the depth of the issue, they get scared, they get influenced, and they think, oh, there are some people who are out to get them. So we, which is not the case. What is wrong about learning about the religion of other people? It's, it's not something we don't already know. Right. So I don't know why there is this issue. So um, I have. I mean, I, I'll 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 one up you up on this. Um, why not we not even talk about religion in school and have this, uh, you know, uh, under the purview of parents and families, and you know, yeah, that and has, we can move on to other things. Yes, yeah. that, that has also been a suggestion by some people. Like we should, the suggestions which are made, and I have seen some comments on social media by users saying we, we should not even let religion infiltrate our schools and whatnot because we already have a lot of division in our public schools and you know uh, but this has been an ongoing debate for a while uh, so even some were saying that the political moral is, is, is very redundant mm-hmm. you don't have to teach that in schools and whatnot. Yeah. We should teach our children the proper history that Malaysia has yes. and is, is having right now and we can include and or infuse this unity elements into our history textbooks. We don't need so many redundant subjects in schools. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure our kids have a holistic environment for learning. You see, because some of them, uh, when they come out of schools, they are not really prepared to take on you know the challenges that right. the world has to throw at them. So we need to make sure that you know our kids have good survival skills. Yes. And and uh, critical thinking skills as well yes Mm. yes that's right we equip them with what's necessary on how they can progress all right thank you so much for joining us this morning on front page thank you for having me shazmin all right and of course um this whole hour will be up on podcast a little later this morning at light.my